Welcome to this new episode of the Are You Listening podcast brought to you by New Amendment. Gio, what's good? What's up, my boy? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How's everything How's everything with you? Skills clinic on Saturday. So I had a bunch of kids, had like 50 kids show up. So that was like my first, like first time hosting like a, a big skills clinic doing basketball training. So it was it was fun and, and, you know, the kids got better. So it was great. What about you, man? What you been up to? It was a busy week, man, per use, uh, just doing normal nine to five stuff, working in finance here in the city and then networking, always networking. I'm trying to get some stuff moving and shaking with uh, the media build out that I'm trying to focus on, too. And then are you basketball stuff? So a couple of games, obviously, roller coaster, February, that time of the year where uh, you can be up one game and have the expectations of coming in yeah. and being able to walk out with an easy dub and it just doesn't go your way. And then you can lose that game and then be fighting for your life in the next one. And and that's the case that we had on our hands, man. So let's just jump right into it with the scouting report. Are you versus, oh, let's just jump right into it with the X's and O's. Are you versus Nebraska? We talked about this in the last episode as one in which we both assumed that it was going to be easy yeah. for, for RU. Making some bold predictions, I too. I know, I know, I know. I know. You talk about living and learning, man. Yeah. That was a, a good, good, uh, you know, a really good example of that. But long story short, uh, RU takes on the Cornhuskers for the one and only matchup this season at Jersey Mike's Arena. And Nebraska came in and was playing no games, man. Shot over 50% from the field against Rutgers to pull away for an 82-72 to 72 win. Nebraska was the only third team to better their season average in scoring against Rutgers this season and the first to do so at Rutgers' home court. And they had 12 three-pointers, man. So obviously we'll get into Tomanaga, but it was an all-hands-on-deck affair. What did you see from your perspective? I mean, Nebraska was running elite offense, full-speed offense. They got guys moving. Tomanaga was – coming off screens like he was Steph Curry. It was uh it was it was crazy, man. But, you know, you know, credit to Nebraska. I thought they came in with a really good game plan to get Rutgers defense moving. I thought they did a good job switching up man and matchup zone a little bit to hide Tominaga on defense as well to keep him in the game. Um, you know, but you know, from Rutgers perspective, you just gotta play better defense. You know, I think it was like their worst two point defense in I forgot how many years it was. I saw a stat somewhere, I think it was like fourteen years. Something crazy where they hadn't played that bad a two-point defense in a very, very long time. So, you know, just knowing who you are for Rutgers and, and you know, knowing your identity and, and what you're supposed to be doing on that defensive end of the court, um, they didn't do that against Nebraska, so it hurt them a lot. Yeah, and 65 points or 65 miles per hour, however you want to slice and dice it, has been that threshold where are you operate if you're below they're really good. They win a ton of games. If teams or opposing yeah. groups come in and they break that threshold and they score more than 65 points, then it's become problematic for RU. 82 points from anybody, especially from home, um, is something crazy, but it is what it is. Uh, RU trailed 40 to 35 at the break. Andre Hyatt, yeah. if there's any silver lining, some of the pros for RU, he was balling, man. He had a career-high 24 points, drilled five of nine three-pointers on the night. Um, Cliff had another double-dub. Um, although they were really uh, they were really focusing on him and on him very well and then sending the double, which I think he could have been even more effective if, um, you know, he was finding ways to operate in, in a one on one capacity. But Nebraska had a really good game plan for him. Caleb McConnell, another multi steal game, reached 200 career yeah. steals and 
um, 17 away from breaking Eddie Jordan's record for number one in RU history and Derek Simpson 10 points off the bench. So some good things from RU yeah. as well, but Nebraska really, really scored the, the ball well. Yeah, they really scored the ball well, man. I mean, and, and like it's the thing, you just you just named a bunch of positives on the offensive side of things for Rutgers. Like offense wasn't the problem. And, you know, I keep seeing all these, you know, message boards, tweet, tweets, you know, people are messaging me on Instagram. Like, can you help these guys? Like we have no go-to score or we don't have this or that. And everyone keeps talking about offense. It's like offense wasn't the problem. And all the it's, – it's when their defense isn't – up to par with that elite level that we know that they can play. And we saw it again with Nebraska. Like, offense was fine. Andre Hyatt was playing like a superstar. Like, you know, he he had the best offensive game I've ever seen him have in his career, especially at Rutgers. And, you know, but that's not the issue here. And and I think that the guys are starting to see that too, you know, especially as, you know, they continue to move forward. We saw with Wisconsin, you know, they, they got back to playing that Rutgers defense. Yeah, man. And just to pause for a moment before we transition over to the most recent game, um, you, you you come in on the heels of two consecutive losses, one to Indiana, one to Illinois for RU. So you needed that W against Nebraska and everybody expected for you to get it and to lose it. To your point, the yeah. sky started falling, I think, for the fan base, for the media. People were questioning if, if everything was going to come to an abrupt halt for yeah. RU's expectations from a postseason play standpoint this year, um, and, and you lose it. And, and that's obviously a testament to uh, the ability of Tominaga, 22 points, and Derek Walker, who had 16 points, was very efficient. And C.J. Wiltshire, a, a really a local kid who really locked in on doing his things with 17 points as well, they came in, heard the noise, and was able to get a dub on the road. Tough fault, yeah. so credit to them. But three straight losses for RU as a result of that, and that changes the whole dynamic of the season in an instance. Have you ever been in a situation in the locker room, specifically at RU or anywhere else, where coming into a game, everything is smooth sailing, copacetic, and then you know you 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 shit the bed a little bit, and then ultimately at the end of it, as a takeaway, you really got to lock in and make sure that you start to control your own destiny. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I've been in. And you and you probably have too. Just you know, almost every position you could think of that these guys have been in. Um, but you know, my thing, and I said this during the game, was like it had that energy where it seemed like Rutgers knew they were supposed to win the game, and they were just kind of waiting for it to just happen. Where like, oh, we're gonna turn around eventually, and you know, you felt that energy in the crowd. Like the rack wasn't the same that it usually is. It wasn't like extremely loud the entire time, and. And part of that was they just weren't getting stops. I think the rack always feeds off of the energy of defense. But, like, you could just feel it in the crowd with the team. Like, they were supposed to win that game, and it just never really turned on. It seemed like you just kept feeling like, oh, you know, eventually we're going to turn it around. And I've had those moments, too. Like, I've, I've, there's been games where, you know, it felt like, you know, we were supposed to win, and, you know, eventually we're going to win. And, oh, we're only down five. Like, okay, let's turn it up right now. And, oh, we're only down ten. Like, okay, now's the moment. It's just like you never actually – get to that moment where you do turn around and then you, you look up and there's only three minutes left and it's too late. And yeah. I think I think we saw a little bit of that against Nebraska. And, and um, you know, but credit to these guys for, you know, I know we're on a little pause for Wisconsin, but credit to these guys for being able to turn around and, and you know, understand what, what they were doing wrong against Nebraska. Agreed, man. Agreed. And that's a really good point for a lot of hoopers to, to take note of as a takeaway here. Don't say – uh, hello when it's time to say goodbye, especially if you try to turn things on when it's five minutes under the left and you're right. down 10 points 
Um, it's just guys are too good at this level. Um, you really got to control your own destiny right from the jump and the get-go uh, and make sure that you're executing and locked into your game plan um, to win the games that you're, you know, you're slated to, to, to win against teams that, you know, arguably that, that are just not as talented as you are. So tough loss, but I would imagine and hearing, you know, some of the feedback and preparation um, in the locker room heading into the Wisconsin game, which we'll pivot to, RU loses against Nebraska, slides them down in the Big Ten Conference standings, and puts them right into the meat of the pack, if you will, pause. And then you also you yeah. also are now in a situation yeah. where you 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 you're fighting against a Wisconsin team that's, you know, within striking distance. And um, they're also playing for their own destiny. You head out to uh, Madison for an early tip. Uh, at the Cole Center. Uh, it's 11 a.m. Central time, 12 p.m. noon. So you know how that goes. No shoot around the night before. Um, no shoot around day of. And right. you're coming in, and the only time that you're able to warm up is the couple minutes when you get to the Cole Center. Um, yeah. I'm calling the game on the sideline right there next yeah. to the bench just to kind of set the scene. Are you, obviously, the rah-rahs there? Um, the anticipation is really high because they got to stop this three-game skid. And Caleb McConnell goes down, bends down, and like tweaks something in his back. So you come in with a game plan to have arguably the national defensive player of the year in the lineup. And, you know, five minutes before tip, he's out for the entirety of the game. So you got to scramble last minute and Oscar Palmquist gets thrusted right. into the lineup. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I was uh, I was doing my clinic too when when uh, I heard the news because I'm I'm uh, I'm asking some of the parents like on the side like for like little updates like oh can you let me know and you know the first thing they say is Caleb's not out there and I thought they just meant like you know he was in foul trouble or something like that because it was early and I'm like what do you mean like no like he he didn't even start like they had Oscar start so that's I mean that's just something on the fly that you can't even really nope. you don't you don't have time to adjust for like there wasn't a practice you know knowing that that he's not playing and and credit to these guys for you know credit to Oscar being able to just step in his first time ever starting you know you know uh, in a, in a Rutgers uniform so credit to him credit to all the guys for being able to step up having that mental toughness to you know still understand that you need to win this game this is a game that that you cannot lose if you're trying to make the ncaa tournament if you're trying to solidify yourself as a top half big 10 team and they stuck to the game plan right it, the game plan still works even if you don't have killed in the lineup and i think that these guys all were yeah, mature I enough think, to understand uh, a coach that, that i had to still follow once was always adamant about the the statement that you can't control what happens to you but you can control how you respond and the adversity that this team has been through over the last yeah. couple of weeks uh, has been substantial. After the Moat Mag injury, they've been obviously reeling a bit trying to identify how they are going to fill that void, shuffle around, and continue to do what they did very well to help them get to this point, which was changing up their defenses and applying a lot of pressure. Um, so that changes up a lot of different things. And to the point of Oscar Palmquist being implemented into this lineup in a matter of seconds, this is a guy that up until maybe three or four games ago had only played 10 minutes the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not somebody that's been in the rotation yeah. consistently. Um, so to be called upon and to, you know, have the scout down and to have the defensive rotations top of mind and to be connected with your guys, it just shows you how you never know when your opportunity is going to come, but you must be prepared. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing that. Coach Carl Hobbs had the scout. And you know how that goes, man. I'm sitting in there 
after two games skid. He's serious and he's locked in and he wants to get this dub. And he's a he's a head coach. He's a head coach as the associate head coach. So he knows how to get his guys going. Focused in on how obviously you say this a lot, you gotta be ten points better on the road yeah. uh to beat any opposing to, to any home team that you're walking into a hostile environment. Um he talked about how he wanted to see the bench up and loud and vibrant as ever. And the early starts and then how you really got to focus in on keeping the ball out of wall and Crowell's hands in the post, because if they get to five, six, seven dribbles getting into their rhythm, that's when they start spraying and facilitating all around the court. So there was a lot of doubling. There was a lot of communicating. There was a lot of thinking, if you will, defensively for RU. And without Caleb McConnell, who's your best defensive player, it just created more of a strain for a lot of the younger guys who had to play more substantial moments in this contest. Yeah, but you know what? They really didn't show it, though. They didn't show that they were strained. I thought that the defensive game plan worked perfectly. They seemed extremely connected. Like, it is not it is not easy for those double teams. And, and Crowell and, and, and uh, Tyler Wall, they weren't, they weren't turning it over out of the post. Like, they were making the right passes, but guys were so connected, communicating. They were rotating. I was, I was super impressed by everybody. And, again, like you said, it's super hard without your – defensive leader, your veteran guy like Caleb McConnell. And then not only just to add to that, but Watt Mag too, who's also out. So, you know, those are two of your best defenders who, you know, know how to communicate, know the system, know exactly what you're trying to do on the defensive side of things. And you have these young guys come in. They didn't seem strained at all. I thought they did a great job of sticking to the game plan, understanding what the scheme was. Everyone was connected. And that's a beautiful thing to see. And I think that's the that's the Rutgers team that we've learned to love and, and you know, that we've been seeing throughout the season. To that point, Wisconsin's number three in the country in regards to being efficient and not turning a pill over. Mm-hmm. Only nine turnovers a game, which is a staple and something that I think they've always done very well. Obviously, they're very slow, methodical from a pace standpoint. Yeah. Not very opportunistic and trying to get to that first transition opportunity, more secondary stuff. So there's a ton of action once they get into the half court where they get guys moving and Chucky Hepburn has the, the rock in his hand. And um, then they look into the, the post to see how they're able to enter it and then try to spread the floor. Um, they had the 161st ranked offense uh, in the country uh, because of that pace and the cadence. But I think that that's very deceptive because they get a lot of scoring from multiple people, four guys averaging double figures. Um, and then the 27th ranked defense as well. So a defensive slugfest was something that we were all anticipating, knowing how slow and grinded out this affair was going to be. But one player that I was really worried about coming into this contest was Connor Asijan. Um He's a freshman who has a really quick release, and he really gets a lot of his action from within the flow of the offense, off down screens, hiding behind ball screen situations. And once he gets a glimpse at the basket – uh, he's able to get it up, and RU really did a good job of making sure they were always in his airspace. I thought, yeah, I thought they did a great job, and you know, made it made it really tough for him. I know Coach Pikele is always excited when he's going up against a good freshman because he thinks that he can get him mentally with you know the toughness and the defense and the talking, communicating, and you know the smothering, and uh, that's when we used to always get super excited because we knew that we could handle a very tough freshman. But I thought he actually, I thought he got some good looks too. Like, I, I really did, good they, looks. They ran some good plays for him and. You know, some, sometimes the shots just don't fall, and, and he understands that for sure. It, it didn't really seem like he was letting the missed shots get to him, which I was impressed with a lot too. But I thought overall the game plan for him went really well, and, and you know, the guy stepped up and just made defensive plays. But I want to give a shout-out to my guy Cam Spencer too on the offensive side of things, man, because, you know, 
there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, his being in a slump or he's not going to come out of it or, you know, maybe he shouldn't be starting or, you know, all these different things that I keep seeing. Again, I'm a Twitter guy. I'm on, I'm on the message boards, all these things, of you know, all, everyone's saying different stuff about him. My guy stepped up and, and made big shots, you know, especially in that first half, just shot after shot. And he did it with confidence. And, and uh, you know, I think they did a better job of getting them open and, you know, they weren't, the shots weren't as difficult as they have been in the past. But just credit to him for staying with it, keeping that confidence. He was, you know, in the interview after the game, he, you know, he was talking about just trusting the work that you put in. And, you know, I just love to see that because I've seen the work that he's put in. And, you know, he absolutely deserves to, to shine on the biggest stage. Easier said than done. Um, yeah. Staying the course, especially when you deal with having down games and being in a shooting slump. Um, so... We really, really uh, impressive. So now transitioning, transitioning over to the scouting report segment of this episode. Joined by Jordan Taylor. How are you? How are you doing? First and foremost, my guy. Man, I'm good. I don't know if I should be talking to y'all right now, but I'm good, man. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm over in London, you know. And we just had a game, got a win, so we won. We won on my end, but yeah, it's all good, man. How y'all doing? Yeah. Good, so, man. Hopefully, I'm glad y'all got a dub in some sense this weekend, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard fought, though. We were talking about the adversity. I don't know if you got a chance to get this sense, but um, a couple minutes before the game, obviously this was a big one for both teams. RU and Wisconsin both needed it um, for conference implication standpoints and then NCAA tournament implications, too. Caleb McConnell was announced out of the lineup five minutes before tip. So RU had to completely change uh, its approach at the last minute. And then we were talking about um, you know, some of the things we recognized from the RU standpoint. Any, did you get any sense coming into this game? Talk to any guys from Wisconsin um, about how they were preparing and, and how big this, big this game meant to them and how much they needed it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at Wisconsin, you know, one of the things that, that we kind of preach is the game doesn't change. Coach Gar is really good at adjusting. Um, and I think you kind of saw it was to take um, uh, Cliff away for y'all. It's kind of make his life hard. Uh, kind of work. Um, y'all PG. Um, I, I'm blanking on all. What, what's your Paul PG McKay. name? Yeah, Paul McKay. And uh, that kind of backfired because big fella started hitting threes from everywhere in the first half. <laughs> and it was cool to see him step up. But on our side, man, it was, you know, it was one of those things where it was just kind of disappointing because you get a game at home against a Rutgers team who is playing well for the most part. And it would have been, I think it would have been great for our tourney hopes. So it was disappointing on that side. But, you know, you, you got to give hats off to y'all. Y'all have really uh, y'all have really adapted to the Big Ten style. And, and Coach Pykel over there, he's doing an amazing job. Even going back to Gio, your last couple of years, you kind of with, with you and Ron, you know, y'all, you started to see the transition to Rutgers basketball. So it hurts to lose that game, but it's also cool to see to have that competitive, uh, that, another competitive animal in the Big Ten. One thing I noticed quickly is how uh, Wisconsin typically likes to control the pace uh, by slowing things down and, and getting more so into secondary transition sets um, and, and trying to, I think, uh, conclude the contest with having more possessions uh, in hand than the opposing team. And RU is a, is a group that really likes to full court press and speed the game up. Has that ever is this something that a style that you played under when you were in Madison is and something that's, you know, still re relevant today? And then how did you fare when you had groups that really like to try to get under your skin and make you play kind of out, outside of the pace that you like to operate with it normally? Yeah, you know, it, I think, again, that's that's one of the things that's kind of a staple of Wisconsin basketball. I do think there's kind of a misconception, though. 
that you know we we intentionally slow there if you can push it up the court and get a good shot you know in the first seven seconds coach guard coach ryan have always been open to that i think that you know you need wings you need athletes out there um to to kind of push there to, to to have that style which i think is why you see wisconsin's best teams come with athletes on the wing whether it's sam decker Orlando tucker ray nixon back in the day way way back um so yeah, but when when teams press us and stuff, you you're really not going to speed us up for the most part. Like that's that's one thing you're not going to do. Um and I think honestly that Wisconsin is better when they're playing with that pace and playing with that tempo um instead of instead of playing slow and stagnant. You know, that second half got stagnant. I heard Andy Katz say on the mic like if Rutgers gets to 72, automatic win, which mm-hmm. you know, I I don't I don't nece- I didn't necessarily agree with that point. I don't know the mm-hmm. numbers behind that as well as he does. But, you know, when Wisconsin, Connor season's running off screens and Max Klesman is moving freely and Chucky's getting in the paint, they're really good offensively. And defensively, they're always going to play hard. So, you know, offensively is one of the things that uh, if we if we can keep that tempo high, even if it's secondary uh, offense, it, it's good for us. Yeah, RU did a really good job with Chucky Hepburn specifically, foul trouble throughout the, the entirety of the contest. Tyler Wall, yeah. seven points. He... Was very effective in, in certain ways, but obviously not getting to that season average for him and Chucky um, became problematic. And I think that sometimes you pick your poison and allowing Jordan Davis and Kamari McGee to be the leading scorers for Wisconsin. Jordan Davis with, with 14 points. McGee knocked down uh, a couple of tray balls and coming into this game, he was 0 for 1 over the last five from the three. So you take away, obviously, what Wisconsin does very well and allow some of these other guys to free roam. And if they beat you, then they beat you. Yeah, 100%. And I think you guys know um, the later in the season you get, you know, you play guys one time for the most part. Um, you, At the very least, you've been watching on TV. So you know what guys' strengths and weaknesses are. And the coaches know. So you're trying to take out the best players. And I think, honestly, that's the best giant Connor season was 0 for 10 against y'all. That, that was his worst. So... Yeah, so between yeah. him and Chucky, I don't Sorry. remember exactly what it was. Maybe like two for two for seventeen or or something yep. like that. Um, even Stephen Crowd didn't really get going. So um, yeah, you you need guys like Jordan Davis, and then on, and then on y'all side as well. Like I said, Cam Spencer had nineteen seven or had nineteen first half points. Yeah, he was. But falling. you know, yeah, Paul Mulcahy. I don't think he had his best game. Um, he, you know, he was solid as always, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was his best game. So. Um, it's big for those role players to step up, man. And and on our side, they did that. On your side, they did uh, did that. And really, it came down to to a last possession. And y'all made more plays than we did. That's that's just Cliff uh, Cliff Amore with that crazy block. I don't know how he got to that. No, that was, that, that, yeah, that was that insane. was high level. That was Yo, insane we didn't talk shit, about yeah. that. That was. Did you see the screenshot of like where he was where he was I, before I like on the catch? Before, yeah. before he had to get back out to a season, he also disrupted the the dribble the drive, drive and mm-hmm. and and defended vertically without fouling. Yep, tipped it out to a season and from the paint <laughs> found a way to get out there and get a fingertip on that. That was high level athleticism for and sure. It, it was it was NBA level athleticism <laughs> to be able to do that. And I and to to your point, he defended the dribble drive off yeah. of an offensive rebound. So that's a right. scramble closeout situation, closing out slide with a guy yeah. in the paint and then get back to a shooter with a quick release. That was, the, yeah, that that was that was crazy. But I got to give Wisconsin credit. Like, uh, 
Connor's season just having, you know, he he's unconscious for us, man. Like he missed the floater. He's 0 for 10. And he was about to let that last one fly with no hesitation, too. So it's like, you know, I mean, again, y'all both know how, you know, yeah. to not second guess that at all is, is next level, too. But, you know, that block was. Yeah, that's one of those ones where right. it, made, it made me sick, but I was also like, oh, damn. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, it was it was tough. So put it, putting yourself like in the perspective, uh, putting yourself in, in their perspective now, how do you move forward if, if you're Wisconsin? Like what's the mindset moving forward if you're still trying to make the NCAA tournament? I think they're yeah. seven and nine right now. I think they're 11th. Um, I think the mindset is is no different. Like it's the, next, it's the next 40, it's the next game. We still have, we're gonna have ample opportunities. It's the Big Ten. So obviously everybody's been beating each other up. I think we've all talked about it, but you're gonna have, we have uh, Iowa at home, yeah. um, which is a quad, I believe should be a quad one win. We'd have Michigan. I'm not one of those is a quad one win, and then we have at Michigan, and then we have Purdue on a, at home, yeah. who's the number one team in the country, who is very good. But as you guys know, you've done it twice yeah. in two years in a row now, right? Beat them, uh, yeah. so uh, they're they're a beatable team. So it's one of those things where you don't panic, and then you got yeah. the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, I think I still think they're in a good position. Obviously, they're not going to be a six seed yeah. or a five seed, but you're still in a great position. Uh, we mentioned on our podcast my freshman year, very similar situation. We lost six games in a row in the Big Ten at one point, ended up sneaking in as a 12 seed, almost got to the regional semifinal, almost got to the Sweet 16. So it's it's not a panic situation. You just got to go take care of business. And, and like I said, as we've seen, anybody can be anybody in the Big Ten this year. So. Right now, they're slated as a 12 seed, last four in. Are you slated yeah, as a seven seed? Seven seed. This is as relevant as this morning. So, um, again, we were talking about the Scarlet Knights controlling their own destiny. What do you think the the, the mantra and the message and the go ahead mentality is for Wisconsin, knowing that each game is pivotal from this point on? Uh, just focus on each possession, each each half, each game. And that's all you can do. That's all you can't worry about. I, I still think Wisconsin controls their own destiny. Um, I think that if they if they win the game, if they like I said, beat Purdue and win the games at home, take care of Minnesota, and then, you know, whatever, get an 11 seed and go to the Big Ten tournament and win one, then for sure they're in in my eyes. So it's really just lock in. They've had a bunch of injuries. This team, we were ranked 14th in the country at one point, man. You know what I'm saying? So – I think yeah. Tyler Wall is still getting his feet underneath him from that ankle injury. Um, and it, it's a it's a good sign to see Kamari McGee and Jordan Davis step in. And Kamari McGee hit a three to put us up three yesterday. Yep. And he's done. He, I mean, no disrespect to him. He's a good kid. I know him personally. He's from Racine, where my mom is from. He's virtually had no impact for us this year. So that it's, this is a compliment to him when I say he came in and hit that three like like he been out there averaging 15 18 points a game he shot it with no hesitation so now you you have those guys yeah. playing well you got to get Tyler and Steven and Chucky and Connor going and I think you're you're confident about where you're at yeah and I think these and and these guys know they know what it takes too I mean you know you talk about Chucky Tyler Steven these are guys who you know they 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 won plenty of games last year too so they know what it takes down the stretch and that's what you always need especially in a league like the Big 10 where everyone's kind of beating up on each other I, so I, I would, I would not. Rutgers is not a team I would want to see if I'm Wisconsin though in the Big Ten tournament. If you need a win for y'all, just the, y'all, y'all style of play is very. <laughs> like I said, uh, Coach Pykele, I think he's done an amazing job. And Gio, correct me if I'm wrong, but done an amazing job at kind of bringing that East Coast style to the Big Ten. You know, he's integrated the Big Ten, whatever grit, toughness, whatever you cliche word you want to use, but also kept that 
the skill set and the talent, the the pace of that East Coast um, in the program, which, you know, I, I think it's difficult because you've seen guys like Richard Patino come to Minnesota and try and do something similar and fail at it. Um, so or not fail, but not do as well. So I think he deserves a yeah. lot, of, a lot of credit for for the job he's done. And I, ho- I hope he doesn't leave Rutgers. You know, I, I don't know what the situation <laughs> is to go to a bigger school, but <laughs> we hope, uh, we hope, yeah. man. Fingers crossed. Obviously, nah, he's staying, man. Um, how's the fan base been? Yeah. Like during yeah. this time of year, ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and maybe relating it back to, you know, how your experience was. But we always talk about how you got to try to train the folks that support you to, to stay even keel through ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, and you know what? I, I want you to answer that question after, cause I know East coast fans are crazy as hell. So I, I, <laughs> I you know, but you know, what's crazy is, is Wisconsin fans are normally, are normally uh pretty, pretty, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for. They're pretty even keeled, you know, through with, when, when I was there, coach Ryan, for whatever reason, Coach they they just respected the hell out of Coach Ryan, and he could do no wrong. Which, I mean, for obviously I say for whatever reason, but he 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 earned that to a degree. But we had um, Mike DeCourcy on our show talking about it, and the fans with Coach Guard have zero patience. They are not zero, but they have much less patience, and it's really confusing to me because he's kept the status quo that Coach Ryan that Coach Ryan kept the entire time. Like he's won two Big Ten titles. He only missed the tournament once, which Coach Ryan never did. But, you know, he's finished in the top four for the most part in the Big Ten almost every year and had good teams. Um, So I I don't know if it's because Coach Ryan had two Final Four teams, which was somewhat of an anomaly, and then left. But it's it's weird. It's weird to see the fans kind of be so impatient with Coach Guard, especially given they just won a Big Ten title last year. So. No, I think I think I think it's definitely the fact about those two Final Four teams. Like once you <laughs> once you get to that level, now it's like because like with with Rutgers, for example, once we made the NCAA tournament, now it's like, okay. That's the expectation, and if it feels like we're not about to get to it, then that's when everyone starts panicking again to the you know being impatient, like you were saying. So I could definitely I could definitely understand where that's coming from. But yeah, the East Coast fans though is is different. It's different. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let Austin start it off with that, but it's definitely different. I challenge that, G. I would like to hear your perspective on what's going on, and obviously not to speculate with anything, but just seeing the, the numbers and the outputs from a, a wins and losses standpoint at Ohio State, because this team is definitely better than I think, in my opinion, than what their record is showing. But they're struggling. They're down right now. I think nine consecutive losses. Um, you got Chris Holtman, who is a, a great coach, uh, and obviously, how's the fan base going to react after this season? Do they? Are they patient with the process? He's won already in Columbus, and and not to not to fail to remember that you had Thad Mata there, who had tremendous success as well. And there were rumblings after he wasn't able to get to a national championship. Like, be careful what you wish for. I think is what I'm trying to get to at the end of the day, because when you have coaches that are having success at this level um, and able to even get you to the NCAA tournament, you got to understand how hard that that is and how quickly things can change in the matter of a new regime coming in and not being able to replicate, you know, the previous successes of other coaches as well. So interested to hear both of your takes on what's going on at Ohio State. You know, what do you think the offseason will be like? And at, just considering that they've had some down and some struggles and things of that nature um, and, and, you know, what the response will be. I mean, man, I- I think, and I won't act like I've paid the most attention to their situation, but from everything I can see, it's it's tough when you have a freshman point guard, so 
you know, the point guard obviously is going to be your leader of the team. That's just how it goes. doesn't matter if he wants to be or, or if he doesn't want to be. Point guard's going to be a leader. Your best player, Sensabaugh, also a freshman. So you got two guys who have never been in this situation before who are, you know, technically supposed to be the leaders of your team. And that's tough. Like, that's that's not that's not easy. So I think for those guys, that's that's just a situation that they've never been in before. Super hard for them. For the fan base, you got to try to understand that and, and and see that, listen, you have two freshman leaders that that are trying to take this team to new heights. And obviously they're failing at it right now, but it's a learning curve. And you got to be able to understand that Coach Holtman is a good coach and Ohio State has been great in the past and to be patient with it. But, I mean, that that's tough, man. Like, losing that many games in a row, you expected a lot preseason coming in. Bryce Sensabaugh is a, a very good basketball player. You expected him to be a superstar mm-hmm. uh, in a league full of superstars, and it just hasn't hasn't clicked for him. So I can understand if they are impatient right now. Is Are, are we saying that Ohio State's East Coast? Is, I know this is very – are we saying Ohio State's East Coast? Was that the challenge? Yeah, that's, I was wondering that too. <laughs> we saying Ohio State. I, I, I changed the whole topic, bro. My bad. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. Cool. I didn't know. I didn't know. Okay, I was in charge. I just wanted to be clear, saying. but before I answer right, this I question, the whole topic. I thought we did it the East Coast conversation. That's okay, all right, cool. I just wanted to be clear for our answer, but nah, man. Honestly, I'm gonna I'm give you an off. The, I think Chris Holman might be fine because let's face it, Ohio State's a football school. You know what I'm saying? No, you know, and, and honestly, to not to to circle it back to it, part of the reason Coach Guard has fires because they just hired Luke Fickle coming from Cincinnati, and they're making he's making big splashes in recruiting, which is kind of the anti Wisconsin uh, historically, just the way the programs are run. He's you know he's bringing in mobile quarterbacks, changing up the style. It's supposed to be it's going to be more entertaining. So I think that's part of the reason. But Ohio State man is a they're a football school. I think he'll get a chance to kind of turn it around. Obviously, I haven't paid as uh, crazy attention to that situation as well. But you know, like you said, we we could ask our we could ask our boss Evan Turner. He he might not agree, but ain't nobody checking for them. Ain't, ain't nobody ain't nobody checking hey, for them Evan basketball be down dudes, man. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, nah. he been quiet lately, yo. He been super quiet. Nah, nah. Yo, I wasn't even thinking about that. You, you say you say anything you say anything to ET about uh you say anything to ET about how how bad Ohio State is. He's just gonna show his t- talk about what's on his wrist or something like that. Oh, man. I got he's, it. He's gonna got be petty. Yeah. He's gonna be petty, baby. Well, we got a couple of bets to 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 make sure we we make up for over the last couple of weeks because or you got that lick back against them recently as well. So we got we gotta catch ET soon. Nah, they doo-doo, man, and uh, let it let it let it be told they was doo-doo when he was there. He was cold, you know what I'm saying? He went, you know what I'm saying? He won national player of the year, obviously number two overall pick. You know, he's great. But, you know, dude, them dudes was them uh, yeah, I know our produ- we got producers from Ohio State too, so them dudes was doo-doo, man. Them dudes eight seeds, four seeds. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but it's all good. They'll sure, get a chance to turn it put on his black air forces this morning coming with that I, I, energy yeah i do got them i will put them on look yeah i got, got them on right now not air forces but we all black today we all black <laughs> i feel you i feel you. that's how we're I feeling love today it, I love it. What, do you think, what do you think it takes for wisconsin to solidify over the next couple of games they got some tough from your prediction which games do they need to win which games do they need to lose and then we'll, we'll talk about it from uh, the RU perspective of what they need to do, I think, to really kind of solidify getting into the tournament and getting a good seed in the Big Ten tournament as well. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin is it, obviously Purdue. I think, I think so. We we actually had this debate, John and myself, on our show the other day. 
he thinks that you can lose to Purdue, beat Michigan, Minnesota, and Iowa and be good. I think that leaves it up to chance. I think if you beat Iowa at home and you beat Purdue and then obviously Minnesota, I think you're in. I think Wisconsin's yeah. in. I think that gives you six or seven quad one wins. Um, going to the tournament, have a, a solid showing in the tournament. If you win one in the tournament, obviously. Um, but I think you, you get that Purdue game and the Iowa game and assume you're going to get Minnesota. I think I think they're they're shooting. Night right now, Rutgers is tied in conference with Michigan at nine and seven, and their next four games are all teams that are currently slated at nine or below in the conference overall standings with Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, besides Northwestern. So I actually let me stop lying and take that back. Northwestern uh, has shot up over the last couple of, of games. So four winnable contests, uh, starting off with Michigan to be able to create some separation at home at Jersey Mike's Arena. I think that they can get a dub, but always an interesting matchup. Penn State on the road. We'll see. Minnesota, I think, is a dub. And then Northwestern is going to be tough, too. Gio, what you think? I think we just need two. I think we need two wins, and, and we're good. You know, we have we have a solid resume. We already beat Northwestern on the road, already beat Purdue on the road. You know, got plenty of good wins, good resume-building wins. Not a ton of very bad losses. You know, maybe all the way back to non-conference, losing to, to Temple, and uh, you could count Seen Hall as well, I guess. But, um, you know, two more wins. You're, you're sitting at 11-9 and nine in conference play. I think I think you feel pretty good from, from a Rutgers perspective. So, you know, want to take care of Minnesota, of course. That's one that uh, – that's a, a, a resume hurting loss that you just don't want to have. But other than that, you know, I think if you get one more on top of that, I think I think Rutgers is all good. Love it. Yeah. Matter of fact, y'all doo-doo too for losing to Minnesota. I take that back, man. <laughs> Hold <laughs> on. We didn't, we didn't lose to Minnesota. Oh, you said, oh, I thought you said Minnesota. No, Who y'all lose nah. to? No, I said that. Nah, I said, we lost to Temple, though. That was bad. But. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say my fault. My <laughs> yeah, fault. My fault. What's uh, not the schedule, nah, nah, bro? We blew Minnesota out the water, man. Okay, uh, I was going to say, because, yeah, I got we were talking to Trev and them over there. We was about to cancel their podcast because it's like, man, y'all, we're going to kick y'all out the Big Ten, man. Y'all struggling. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> struggling. Listen, listen. If if you saw the game against Rutgers, Minnesota versus Rutgers, it was it literally looked like shooting practice for Rutgers. It was the worst defense I have ever seen in a college basketball game. And I played I played against some bad college basketball teams. Like Coach Pico is known for for stacking that non conference schedule, some soft teams. Like listen, that Minnesota defense was the worst defense I have ever seen in a college basketball game. It was like, bad. I've, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Man, I, I hate it. I hate it, too, because I grew up playing against those uh, play, or watching um, Ben Johnson and playing against Coach Thorson. He coached the De La Salle when I was there. So I hate that for them, and I hope that they turn that situation around. But, yeah, they they some they some poo butt right now, man. That's, that's Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're talking real spicy against your, your, the place that you call home, bro. You better remain loyal to your soil. Stop playing. Uh, hey, man. Hey, man. I cheer for the Vikings and the Badgers. I don't know nothing about that maroon and gold. <laughs> they ain't got nothing to do with me. So they, they – they, you know, like I said, the people involved, good people, good men. So I hope it works out for them. But as far as the rivalry goes – Bleep them, you know, you know how it go. You know go. Respect that, and shout out to Trev too. Good dude. Nah, Trev talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's my dog. That's my dog. <laughs> my dog. Shout out to Trev for sure. You're a wild sure. boy, man. How is how's everything and and, and transition in a way? Obviously, um, really good dub for RU. Needed it, and uh, some winnable games on the horizon. So um, good stuff there, and pivoting to. Uh, now our Word on Campus segment. Now that we have you on online and you're overseas, 
Um, how is how's it been for you this this year? Obviously, we've come across one another dating back to last summer in the media space. And any updates with you in regards to what's what's, what's on the horizon for next steps? How to how everything's been going um, this season for you, playing with some teammates and things of that nature, and then. Anything about the recent earthquakes over in Turkey, man? You know, anybody that's playing over there and how, you know, the response has been. And those are some of the things that you got to deal with as an overseas professional. Yeah, yeah, man. It's been, and before, my bad, before we, I'm going to answer your question, but I also wanted, wanted to just say that Rutgers, y'all worried about two, like y'all playing for seeding at this point in my eyes. Like y'all should be able, if y'all can make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, you're looking at like a four or five seed, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, over, overseas, man, it's great. I, I was able to to get to the London Lions. I'm playing with uh, Wisconsin alum and great Sam Decker. Um, so we won the won the British League Cup, and we're in. We just qualified for the Euro Cup playoffs, which is there's Euro League in uh, Europe, and then Euro Cup, which is the next one after that. Um, so that's exciting stuff. We have an All American ownership um, coach, GM. So it's fun, man. It's actually. You know, it's crazy getting back to playing. We play a different style than what's played in Europe. We play up-tempo, um, more of the American NBA style, which is which is foreign to me because I've been over here for so long. So I'm, I'm kind of adjusting back to that. Um, and then as far as Turkey goes, man, obviously that's, a, that's an unfortunate situation. Um, Nigel Hayes is over in Fenerbahce in Istanbul playing, so I know he's close to the situation. But I've heard they're just, you know, the, the league was suspended for a short time and they're just um, – they're just practicing on the basketball side and then obviously trying to recover. But, you know, Ghazi and Tep um, is on the border of Syria. It's a, it's a further away from, from where I played in Turkey. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, you know, it's something that – it's one of those things overseas where they just handle things like that differently um, uh, from a sports perspective. They're going to tell you to keep practicing. It's thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, but obviously, you know, you – if anybody you know is affected, he's like, nah, you're going to do your job normally. Yeah. So, um, which I understand, but it's, uh, uh, other than that, it's as far as the media side, I'm just trying to finish the season up strong and see what happens next year. You know, obviously, um, when I'm done playing, I'll, I'll hopefully be going into, uh, into an analyst role. Um, but until I'm done playing for certain, we'll just kind of see, we'll kind of see what happens on that side. How long, how long have you been playing now? 11 years man 11 years so i had yeah my, my bones hurt man i had eight surgeries in 11 years so i just <laughs> tore a ligament in my finger uh the other day so i'm playing hurt right now so um but yeah man 11, grateful blessed to play 11 years and yeah. uh you know had a lot a lot of good experiences a lot of countries made a little money so it's uh it's all good it's all good yeah, what's what's been like your favorite part about about the overseas journey if there if there has been i know it's super hard for a lot of guys and a lot of guys never really figure out a way to make that adjustment but for you like what was your favorite part about it um for me honest it's it's probably learning different cultures and you realize uh honestly i'm gonna sound like i'm gonna sound like you know someone who who left a, a bad relationship but you realize how how strong you are you know what i'm saying you realize yeah. like how adaptable <laughs> how adaptable you are man to uh to different situations i've been in you know it's, it's not easy going from country to country and you just learn how to fit in. You learn how to communicate when language isn't, uh, when you don't share the same language um, and all that. But for me, the best part has been the food. You know, you all, you go every place you go, it's it's always like a worry, like, oh, am I going to like the food there? And I've been in great cities, but, you know, Tokyo has 
yakisoba. Like everywhere has great food, so you enjoy the food and just getting to know a different culture, uh, specifically through food, has been has been the, the best part for me. That's Keep it a buck. Is the food in the UK trash? Nah, I mean, listen, listen. London is New York, so it's like this. This London is, is it? The though, is it? Is it New York? It's New York. It's better than New York. I'm not right, gonna lie to stop, you. And stop. I'm gonna t- no, I'm gonna tell you why. It's, it's better, than better than New York. It's better than New York, and I'm gonna tell you why. Especially from a food perspective, because in New York, in New York, hear me out, hear me out. In New York, I know, I know that's your city, but in New York, when you go into whatever it is, like let's just say Jamaica Queens, you're in the Jamaican area. There's still that level of Americanization that exists in New York. Like they're Jamaican, but they're American for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Like they they just went over here, uh, they still know. they still American. Like over here, like the like Asian people ain't even like Asian people here are Pakistani, Indian. Like it's I just feel like it's it, they're more connected to their own culture than they are to the American culture um, or the British culture than they are in New York. That's just my two cents, which is not a bad thing. That's just I enjoy that that part of it. And they got so if you had to here, choose, everything. if you had to choose a place to settle down at, and no strings attached, just considering what both different cities offer, you're choosing London over New York. I'm choose. I would choose. I would choose London. All right. I would choose London. I, <laughs> you thought I, he was gonna get him. I would not. Nah, nah, I, I would choose. Not, you're not listen. <laughs> I would. I would choose London. The people here. It might be. And there's the there's the element of being in London. You're you're different. You're foreign here. So it's like the way you, you treat want me, it is you a just want to be different, different now. <laughs> no, I'm saying like you, you get the thing here. It's like, oh, you got an American accent. Where are you from? I like your accent. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, do you? You know what I'm saying? So there, there's that element as well. There's just so much like New York has culture. I get it. But New York has a lot of hip hop. Like there's just so much culture in London. I feel like the culture in London is more expansive than it is in New York. You can go to Camden and get your little... You know what I'm saying? That's where the Beatles were sometimes. You can go down south to Brixton, get you your yard food. You know what I'm saying? You can go to Brick Lane, get your Indian food. Canary Wharf is like the financial district. Canary Wharf looks like Manhattan. You know what I'm saying? So every, and then you go into, you go into Central and you get the, you know, the, the, um, the typical British architecture, man. It's, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You don't even sound like you believe what you're saying right now. <laughs> I, I absolutely, you, right? see, you, see how, you see how in detail I'm going with this? No, I you went kind of detail on it. Look, I went to, I, I've been to England, uh, I went to London one time in high school. I thought it was cool, man. I thought I thought it was solid. They had some uh, some fire, like like breakfast beans. I don't know if you had those, but see, I don't nah, know. Your gut oh. health is bad. I ain't eating Nah, I'll tell you. <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, I'll tell you. Nah, I'll tell you. It was, it was fire, though. It was fire. I'm not even, like, a big fan of, of New York, to be honest. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a city dude. I don't, I don't like going to the city too much, so. You're not going to tolerate why, any New York slander on Why do you think New York is better than London? Like, what do you love about New York so much? It's everything culturally, um, from a food standpoint, uh, from an opportunity standpoint, it all originates in, in this city, I believe. I think that all things considered, the the weather, when you look at the grand scale on a twelve month ongoing basis in London, is not that great. It's rainy. Is it good? At least, you get, at least you get four on average four seasons here. Is it good in New York? In the summer, in the it's spring, it's awful. phenomenal. It's not awful. It's nice in the summer, in the, spring in, in London. It, it, is it though? Yeah. It's very rainy in London. The the winters are rainy. On average, it's I feel like you probably deal with more rain. Yeah, but I mean, listen, I'm from I don't, Minnesota, so 
that ain't that ain't gonna hurt my pride. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll deal with some rain. I'll be outside, no umbrella in the rain. That's fine. I, you know what I'm saying head up, head to the sky. You know what I'm saying that's cool. I can deal with some rain. But this just, specifically happens whenever we have a conversation about anything. We just are on complete opposite ends of the equation. Whether it's Jordan, LeBron. <laughs> whatever what, whatever it is, we're just obviously going to combat on it. So we'll just put the period at the end of it, and you can pull up and and and, and build a life in London, bro. I'll I'll, I'll just say this: it's yeah, not just like you're not you're I, not staying in London. Like I feel like you're not staying in London. I feel like I'll you see you in New York, York next summer. I'll, this I'll summer. give you this. I'll give you this. You ask, and my dad my dad always told me if you know he always hit me with the if I said the sky was blue, you'd say it was green. So it trust me, it's not. I, I do play devil's advocate, but. I do, I do believe. Like London, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dog. London is, London is. It's cool. Is it. it's, it's a great it. city. I don't want it to. I don't want it it's to it. be be known like I, I don't appreciate it. But it's not better than New York, and that's that's just that's just how we're gonna be rocking because it's not better than New York. It is. I appreciate. I appreciate your perspective. Though. We didn't. Even, we didn't even get into the women, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> New Yorks are better. Stop. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. I don't know. Can't. Stop oh, it. New York's are yeah. back. Yeah. All right. A lot of hats. We'll New save York that for another mean, segment. bro. New York women are mean. Right. Don't care. Ain't they? They're mean. Rude, <laughs> aggressive. Like, New York women are aggressive for no reason. Beautiful women. But I'm saying, London women, they go, you know what I'm saying? They dress classy. They dress nice. They going to talk to you no matter. They going to be kind. You know what I'm saying? Nah, you wildin' for that. New York women, mm-mm. Yo, Jory, you you about to not be able to come back to New York, yeah? You you gotta. <laughs> I like New York. I like New York. New York's a great place. I'm just saying, London is better. I I love New York. I love New York. I love Brooklyn. You know, you still, you know, what I'm saying, I'm gonna pull up on you. You still gotta take me some spots in Brooklyn. You know, what I'm saying, we we going yeah, you know we'll do our thing. Nah, we're gonna see after after you get out here soon. One thing, one thing to digress from that conversation. <laughs> I know that we had a conversation about. Some of the things that you're doing while balling in regards to building a, a profile and, and making sure that you're set for the next steps from a business standpoint. So, um, Geo, we discussed, obviously, always investing in yourself, reading, doing a lot of reading, um, doing a lot of seminars and things that continue to, um, you know, keep a, a very broad mindscape about what we need to be aware of to put ourselves in the best position. We've discussed business opportunities uh, as well, Jordan, on a side last summer back out at the Big Ten tryout. Um, what have you been focusing in on or reading or how have you been self-improving over the last couple of months, you know, to be able to set yourself up for the rest of your life once the ball stops bouncing? Um, yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll start it off by saying Geo specifically, I, you know, obviously got to know you a little bit and admire you just going straight into life after basketball because I think most hoopers would tell you whether they're ready to do that or not. That's a daunting challenge, you know, just to to have the confidence to, to hang them up and, and be able to and move what looks like effortlessly into in the new medium. So congrats to you on Appreciate that. And obviously, you know, Austin, like you said, we've talked we've talked business and you, you have a lot of different things going on with finance and media. And um, but for me, it's been it's been one for it's been this it's been looking at the media angle. I've been reading a lot about the origins of the NBA um, from a media and entertainment standpoint for several reasons. I think the NBA is at, a, at an interesting crossroads right now with where, how the players control the league and how much control they have and mm-hmm. the relationship with the fans. Um, like you heard Kyrie Irving talk about how load management isn't a thing and Adam Silver kind of backed them up on that. But there seems to be an issue. The NBA doesn't like doesn't seem to like these guys forcing trades and stuff like that. 
Um, and I've been reading up on that because here in London, the BBL, I've got to know the CEO of the BBL. They're trying to build something similar. He comes from the CEO, Aaron Raiden. He comes from the NBA back in the day. He worked at CBS. He worked at NBC, Meta. And they're trying to build, um, you know, trying to build the league up here, trying to get TV deals and turn it into a profitable league, which most people don't know overseas. Most of these teams are not profitable. Even the, the Barcelona's, the Madrid's, the team's paying mm-hmm. $900 million a year plus to guys. They're losing money um, just because on the business side of things, the EuroLeague just um, they, they just aren't taking advantage of things in the best way. And it's something that they're working on. But um, for me, getting with the idea to get into media, hopefully at the Big Ten or, or wherever, I think it's just it's important to kind of know the history of of how the NBA started, why the Big Ten is going with NBC, why they're you know, why they're leaving ESPN, how it's going to work with the with the games being on Peacock as opposed to ESPN and what that's going to do for, you know, for the fan Mm -hmm. base. If it's going to, you know, are you going to lose fans from a national standpoint? Because you guys know if you turn on a lot of people will just turn on ESPN, see Rutgers, Wisconsin or see, you know, whoever. But now if that's not an option, you have to go to the streaming uh, to the streaming site then it's like are people going to pay the 499 to do that and a myriad of other issues but also benefits that come with that so long-winded answer but for me just trying to read up on how the business of streaming works obviously we all have podcasts now as well and then just the the history of media and entertainment in sports love it that's dope man did you get a chance to tune into All Star Weekend? Uh, Mac McClune obviously did his thing. He he committed to Rutgers at one point and then decommitted. Um, and yeah, then I was going to give him my jersey. Down. I was going to give him my jersey number, and then he decommitted. What happened? Do you understand what happened with that? He just wanted to go it's to fun. different bands. Someone someone just tweeted this at me too, like for some like inside information. To this day, I really there's no story to it. He was committed on his visit. I was his host. He was committed on his visit. The next day, he texts me this long paragraph just saying, like, look, it got nothing to do with you. I just want you to know that so like, you don't think you know, it has anything to do with you, but, but I'm decommitted. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yo. Then, yo, the coach the coaches called me. I remember Coach Young, the assistant coach, Ruggs, that's how he called me. He said, he said Gio, in my career as a, as a college coach, I've never had a kid decommit once. What the fuck did you do? <laughs> I'm like, coach, I ain't do shit. Like, like he had a great time last night. <laughs> like, so I don't, I don't know, man. But yeah, congrats to him, though. He, you know, he killed in the dunk contest. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, that that hurt that hurt me for a little bit for for hosting recruits. I ain't get a, I ain't get a lot of host money after that for a little bit. So damn, tell me, you took him to the wrong bar, bro. Yeah, tell him kick rocks, man. Forget him. Yeah. No, That's crazy, yeah. Dunk contest was dope, man. We got to get Zion and Ja back, and dudes that actually have the names and the the noteworthiness back in the dunk contest. To, yeah, man. And as a as a LeBron proponent, I will say that one of his deficiencies is he started this whole theme of not partaking in the dunk contest, and these young dudes follow suit. So we need Zion back. But we need Ja back. Is was Bron ever a dunk contest guy though? In the Mick, Mickey D's game. Also, yeah, he was doing some very did. pedestrian dunks. That's what I was but saying. Was man was just timing. jumping really high and dunking really hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you think Ja would fare? Obviously, we know Zion would win it. I think. I don't know if Zion would win it. I don't. I don't you don't know. think some of those dunks that this dude used to do on like the hoop mixtape esque 
Instagram stories. I don't think Zion's beating Mac if Mac's in it. Whoa. I don't know how much more Mac could do at this whoa, point. I whoa, think he emptied, he emptied the clip. You you think he could beat Mac? He emptied whoa, the clip last night. What else could he do? What else what? could he do? Have y'all not seen the what this dude was doing in high school? He said he yeah, had seen, two I've or three. He said he had two or three dunks crazy. that's never been seen before. I think he let them out last night. I don't. I don't know if he did. No, Matt, I, I mean know. Mac was Mac was a viral. Like I to be honest, I thought he was. I didn't know he could hoop the way he does. To be honest, like I thought yeah, he was just yeah. a house of highlights dude at, right. at one point. But, um, yeah, nah, nah, nah. nah. Zion could beat Mac for sure. I don't think he, I don't think he would. Not right now. Not after all the injuries. I don't think he would. I think we're sleeping on Zion a little bit. Jaw Jaw would be interesting too, just because Jaw is so. I think Jaw's creativity could be kind of crazy the way he. Yeah, he might pull some crazy. Stuff. Or does he have that LeBron effect? Have you seen Jaw in a dunk contest, or is he a game dunker? I think he's a game dunker, but I think it looks different. I think it looks different when you six eight dunking the ball hard. Versus Ja yeah. six two six three one seventy hanging in the air the way he like I, I think he'd be able to pull some things out where you like oh my that just looks yeah. crazy. It looks better when you small and you dunk it like that. Yes and no. No, you I think agree? Aaron Gordon proved that to be different. Well, that's because he Aaron that, that dunk contest crazy, was though. just insane. But he's six nine to the point of him going up against Zach Levine who is how tall. He's six seven, right, six seven. I mean, he's still he's up there. And Zach Levine probably got robbed if we truth be told. But that's neither here nor there. But LeBron, I'm talking about I'm just talking about if you don't have creativity, it looks better flying through the air. If you got creativity, it don't matter how big you are. But Agreed. if you're just going for power, then yeah, the smaller you are, the better it looks. Your your vert hanging in there. I think that's like Matt, part of his thing is he's small. So it looks better. Like I don't yeah, think, I think he's contorted his body and done enough five twenties or five forties, whatever it may be, and enough variations with moving the rock around in the air that, like, at some point, it's going to be something we've seen before. What else could he really do different from last night that will make us think, all right, that's wild. He deserves another crown in the so NBA. What, so, what, so what is Zion going to do that's different? From- he will he will run up to the rim and put his head on the square and break the rim off. Yo, what are you talking about? Zion is a freak of nature. I don't know if you remember some of these dunks that he was doing. I understand, but like, like I don't, I don't know. From a creativity standpoint, I think Mac, I think Mac would have him beat. I think he would be the perfect balance between creativity and dunking the ball hard enough that it would just be definitive. I think it would be something that we haven't seen probably since like Dominique Wilkins, to be honest. I mean, you definitely I, – I agree with you. I think Zion would be interesting to watch, but it would it, be fun to watch. Zion might get injured out there at the dunk contest. To be to – be, God forbid. But this is be, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> true, so, true, 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 true. To be honest, true. too, I don't even know if I should be critiquing dunk contests because I'm only dunking on Fisher-Price, so I'll be out there giving everybody 50s. Like, wow. Like, that's, that's <laughs> we all Monday morning quarterbacks, bro, when it comes yeah, to all I these can. topics. So <laughs> you already know how it goes. Nah, Gio, Gio probably up above the rim still, man. I'm, mm, nope. nah, I, didn't, I didn't have one dunk my senior year. My you have one? Year. I didn't have one dunk. I went from I went from dunking once a game to not one dunk in my fifth year. Yeah, that's what a college career will do to you. I was straight all those hang cleans and squats, (laughs) Olympic lifts. I'm still feeling it today, bro. Playing a manager's game the other day, and 
back need a backyonomy, bro. My whole back all messed up, bro. Ever since that game, yo, drawing. <laughs> yeah, pause. It makes, it makes anyway, it, bro. Makes it, it anyway, I know you coming with that energy, <laughs> make, child. Makes 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 make sure you get down on the ground and stretch after this, man. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying, God damn. Oh, what you talking about? A back yachty? What? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking to see him. What are you yeah. talking about? What him? is that? <laughs> hey, man, that's what y'all be oh, doing in New right. York, though. That's, yeah, y'all got it. Yeah. Y'all got it. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, no. You said you, a Bron, you said you a Braun proponent. Which side of the argument was I on with the Braun and MJ thing? Um, I was on Braun's side. I don't want to get Ernest excited because I know that he's a – Oh, LeBron. Yeah, come on here, too. Come right on. A Jordan fan, too. I see, we see half baked. Yeah, and also, y'all obviously never seen half baked. Come on, bro. Dave Chappelle is the GOAT. If y'all don't know where the Bacchionomy is from, then culture uh, yourself, you, young fella. Where you live? Right near the beach, boy. Seen <laughs> 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 it. Anyway, man. yes, your point was that Jordan was better than LeBron. That's what I said? That's what you said at the Barstool Sports bar in Chicago. Oh, I, I think I think I said Jordan. I think I take I'll take Braun for my goat, but Jordan has his legacy is gonna be hard to top. Just the stories like Nike, Space Jam, like you can't you can't do Space Jam too. Like he had he should have came up with his own movie if we being real. Yeah, because like, it's like you can't. Jordan Space Jam is really a, a one. It's a one take Drake type type of movie. If we being for real, I feel but, you. you lucky. You lucky that I'm getting. I'm getting told that we got to wrap this up, or we would. We would be here all day, bro. But I want to say first and foremost, I appreciate you. You jumping on the pod today, although you came with a very aggressive Black Air Force energy, which was. Much needed and appreciated. <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah. No but doubt, yeah. happy that are you got that dub, man. <laughs> what you reaching for, yeah, bro? Don't be reaching for nothing. All black. You know what I'm saying? All black with it. All black. Let me get the. All black. Looking like a bruv. Straight bruv now, bro. No, they can edit Regardless, that out. good. Maybe, maybe we'll see you guys at some point in the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten conference tournament again soon and we'll have you back on but regardless brother stay safe stay healthy um, and we want to appreciate and, and thank you guys for joining on this episode of the Are You Listening podcast uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about uh, how are you did against Michigan um, and what's after that Gio who we got after that <laughs> Penn State we at Penn State at Penn State <laughs> so we catch you guys on the next episode Talk soon. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.